Welcome, you're listening to the Cultivate Podcast, where we share stories to help us cultivate the characteristics of Christ. We're your hosts, Lydia Bridgman and Kayla Hallstrom. Thanks for joining us as we grow together. Welcome, friends. We are so happy that you've joined us on another episode of the Cultivate Podcast. Kayla and I are back and are so excited about this episode. If you missed last week's episode, we had our good friend, Trey Cooper, on the show to talk about cultivating a heart of worship. After you listen to today's episode, hop on over to his episode, and we know that you'll be so encouraged. Kayla, how has your week been? You know, I was thinking about it a little bit and it has been crazy. Like I had so many things Mm -hmm. out of the norm. We had like crazy weather in the middle of the week that canceled things. But I also feel like I got so much done, even though it was like totally out of the norm, which usually doesn't (laughs) happen for me. If I have a week that's out of the norm, then I just feel like what my to-do list just goes out the window. But it was still a productive week, even though it was kind of crazy. So I'm really thankful for that. What yeah, about you? Yeah, so good. Well, I had a really good week too, actually, especially with my students um, in my third grade class. Um, it was just such a huge praise moment today after school when I just looked back and um, was able to thank Jesus for what he did this week. Um, last weekend, I had a really energizing weekend. So I just felt really ready to go this week. Um, I also had some people specifically interceding for me and my students this week, um, which I know we talked about a couple episodes back, just interceding for people and and the power of that. So I definitely felt um, that I was just so much more intentional about my words that I said and the way I handled situations. Um, It definitely wasn't perfect, but God was just so good to remind me um, of who I am and who he is um, to lead me and guide me every day. So it was overall a really great week. Oh, that's so good. I'm so glad. Well, friends, we have a guest on the show today who we're so excited to introduce you to. Megan Scroofs is not only our sweet friend, but she is also a woman leading in children's ministry and loving on everyone she meets. She has a heart for children, creativity, and community, and we're thrilled to be able to share her story of courage with you today. Welcome, Megan. We're so excited to Yay! have you. I'm I've been waiting be for this here. moment. <laughs> I'm so excited. Been excited. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I was thinking about it actually on the drive over here that we have had you in mind since we started talking about podcasts <laughs> over a year ago, but you um, were in the middle of the story you're about to share. Yeah. And we're like, we just need to wait. We need to be patient. Uh-huh. We need to let her get a little farther into it. And then it'll be so awesome to have her on and share. Yeah. Yeah. And even hearing a little bit beforehand of what you plan to share about, it just, I don't know, God is just going to do something awesome during this time. So we're super excited. Yeah. Yeah. So to get started, we usually have our guests share a little bit about themselves. And I was thinking about this as I was writing my notes and I was like, took Megan and I a whole year to get to know each other. So you don't have a year. Sorry. (laughs) Just a couple minutes. But for our guests, for those who maybe don't know you, would you just share a little bit about yourself, you, your family, fun facts, whatever you want to want to put out there? Yeah. So uh, I thought of a fun fact just now. Oh, good. Yes. So I am 31, but I often get mistaken as much, much younger. Uh, Just two weeks ago, two weekends ago, 
I was asked if I was in high school. Oh so my goodness. I was like, it's been a long time since I was in high school. <laughs> yeah. But um, so we can just clear that up for everyone. Megan Scruce is 31 years old. And how to say your last name. <laughs> yes, and That's how to say my tricky. last name, which is very strangely spelled. But so I'm 31. Um, I am not married. So my family um, is my parents who live in the Kansas City area. They just moved there. And then I have an older brother, Jonathan, um, and he and his wife live in Wisconsin. And then I have a younger sister, Becca, and she lives in the Oklahoma City area. So that is my family. Um, so we're all spread out, but we try to stay close. Um, I'm really thankful for technology. And we talk all the time through texting and phone calls and FaceTime and my sister sent us a video today of she's moving into a new apartment. And so she sent us a video of like, where should I put my couch? So Aww, we, we try to stay close. For, yes. that, for FaceTime, for yeah. even texting. I uh-huh. mean, thinking about so many years ago, they did not have that. Nope. So nope. we're so thankful for that, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so I guess the last thing that is relevant to what we're going to talk about today is that I am a foster parent. Well, Megan, we think it's really awesome that you've stepped out in faith to become a foster parent. Now, for those who may not be familiar with the foster care system, can you share a little bit about what foster care is and some of the statistics maybe about foster care in our country? Yeah, so there are a lot of um, just things that are confused about foster care um, and what it is. But foster care is a temporary Um, solution really um, provided by the state government. So it varies a lot by state, um, but it is just to provide a safe place for children who've been neglected, abused, abandoned, or just aren't able to live safely with their families anymore. So foster parents step in to be temporary parents for those kids until they're able to return home is the goal. Um, they don't always, and so sometimes they get adopted, but um, the goal is for them to go back with their biological family. So um, I looked up a few statistics, and I'm going to read them. On any given day, there are nearly 443,000 children in foster care in the United States. So that's a lot of kids. So that on any given day um, refers to the fact that kids are like coming and going from foster care. So in 2017, um, 690,000 children were in foster care during the year at some point. Um, And then to bring it a little bit closer to home, there were 15,398 kids in foster care in Illinois Mm -hmm. in 2019. And in our county, Peoria County, there are 767 kids in foster care right now, um, which is up. So I looked at those statistics this week, and the last time I looked at them, the last time I had it written down was February of last year, so a year ago, and it was 671. So it's gone up almost a year, almost 100 this year. 100 kids in a year. So there are a lot of kids who need a home. So um, the average length that kids are in care is about two years. And then 6% of kids are in care for five or more years, which is just horrible. (laughs) That is not the goal. Um, The shorter they can be in care, the better. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then a lot of people think that foster kids are like young, like babies, but the average age is eight. 
So there's a wide range of ages of kids. Um, another statistic that I found interesting was that one third of the kids in foster care are people of color. So that means that 70% of them are Caucasian. Um, and then in 2017, more than 69,000 kids um, were waiting to be adopted. So their parents' rights had been legally terminated and anybody could adopt them. Um, but they don't have homes. Wow. I feel like that sheds so much light on just how close it hits to home. You know, a lot of people don't always think about the foster care system and just what's going on. And yeah. it's just so easy in our lives to forget about those kids who need a loving family um, in different seasons of life. And we're so thankful for that system. You know, a lot of people listening know that the system's not perfect, obviously, but just even hearing those statistics makes you know, believers, Christians be like, wow, what can we do to mm -hmm. support people um, either who are foster parents or just support the community in some way um, to help those kids and love on them? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Megan, you are a foster parent now. You are licensed now, but that did not happen overnight. In fact, it was kind of quite the opposite for you. It's a process, which it should. It's it's a big thing that you're taking on. So, you know, it takes a while to make all those pieces fall into place. But can you share how you came about making the decision to become a foster parent and what that looked like for you? Yeah, so I was thinking about this question and trying to nail down, when did this all start? <laughs> and when was I feel like <laughs> there was no start. Like, it's just been in me my whole life. So I've always loved kids. Um, I think I started working with kids at church like when I was like six or seven. Yes. <laughs> started serving with the little 16. kids. No, no six. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I started working with kids and I have just always loved kids. Um, even though I went to college and graduated with a degree in art and graphic design. So I didn't think that would be my career path. Um, but then after college, I couldn't find a job in graphic design. And I ended up working at a school um, in a rural part of Oklahoma, um, which was not what I wanted to do. <laughs> but um, it was there in that role that I kind of got to see poverty up close for the first time. Um, that rural part of Oklahoma, the southeastern corner, is so poverty stricken and it is just a totally different world. Um, and so I got to see face to face that cycle of poverty, what that does to a community, what that does to families. Um, and I saw face to face um, a world where kids were neglected, abused, didn't know where their next meal would come from. Like literally um, teachers sent home food from school because kids were didn't have food at home. Um, they had parents in prison and just a lot of um, situations that, uh, like, I remember, um, so I worked with behavioral needs kids, so they were kind of the higher end of that spectrum anyways. Um, and I remember I talked to a social worker who was at the school about a student I had who I felt like was in an unsafe situation at home, and she told me, it wouldn't matter that oh, um, there just weren't enough foster homes. And so um, the priorities had to be higher. And it was like kids who were in danger of death and not just kids who were being abused. Wow. 
Wow. Mm. That's crazy. So um, that just, I didn't know that I would become a foster parent at that time. It was more of just a spark of there are kids who just need help. And I don't know what we can do about that, but somebody's got to do something. Right. Mm. Yeah, I know. I've, I've seen that firsthand in a lot of ways as well as a teacher. You know, it's like those students that you start to suspect that something might be going on. And it's like, as a Christian, as a teacher, you know, I cannot sit back and just allow that to happen. But it is hard in our society today because sometimes there's restrictions placed on certain things and certain things become more of a priority. And that's just so sad that, you know, it has to get to the point of being in danger of death to take action about it. It really makes us sit back and think. And thankfully, that's not normal. Yes. <laughs> yeah. um, Oklahoma is one of the highest poverty rates in mm-hmm. the country and the lowest foster parent rates in the country. So it's unusual. But um, so I just came to think in that time and believe that Jesus' call to love God and love people means that we are going to have to work harder as believers um, because we've been given the job to love our neighbors. Um, And love isn't just a feeling, it's an action. So we need to do, we need to do love. Um, I think of Jesus' teaching and the story about the Good Samaritan um, and So the context of that parable um, is that a religious scholar asked Jesus, um, teacher, what do I need to do to get eternal life? Um, I'm reading from Luke 10 in the message. Jesus answered, what's written in God's law? How do you interpret it? And the teacher said that you love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and muscle and intelligence, and that you love your neighbor as you do yourself. Good answer, said Jesus. Do it and you'll live. Looking for a loophole, he said, and how would you define neighbor? And Jesus answered by telling this story, the story that we call the Good Samaritan, which if you don't know, is about a man who was robbed and beaten and left on the side of the road to die. Um, A Samaritan finds him, bandages him up, takes him to the town and has someone take care of him and he pays for everything. So that's how Jesus says that we should love our neighbors. So that is... The context of, I was like, what do I do? Mm. So um, I'll keep going with my story. A few years later, I moved to Illinois. Um, and then a few years after that, so I had gotten really plugged in in our church and really just involved in a million things. And I was busy like every night of the week, <laughs> like a lot of people are. And they were great things that I was doing and I loved them. But um, I felt God tell me to slow down and that I should stop doing some of those things. Um, So I stopped serving in some places. I stopped attending some of the events. And I didn't know why, but I just knew deep down that like I needed to have more time in my life. I needed more space. So there were a few months when I just like painted a lot and uh, took up embroidery and um, just spent a lot of time at home alone. Um, So I didn't know why, but in May of 2018, my sister and my mom and I took a weekend trip together, and it was during that trip that everything 
started (laughs) really officially. Um, My sister and I were talking about a mutual friend who she and her husband are foster parents. And it was just a casual conversation at dinner one night um, talking about, did you see their kids? And, you know, about the kids. And um, Becca looked at me and she said, Megan, you should do that. You're Nothing like, like someone what? calling it out in <laughs> huh? you. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Why? <laughs> what should I do? And she was like, married, you should have be a, a kid. What are you parent. talking about? <laughs> yeah, it was just like out of the blue. I wasn't expecting it at mm. all. Um, and she was like, no, like seriously, you should. And I said, yeah, like I would love to do that someday, you know, when I'm married and I have kids and I'm just, you know, have my life figured out. Um, and she, she looked at me and she said, no, Megan, why not now? Mm-hmm. And I, like, I, you know, we talked about it a little bit more and it kind of ended there. But she planted that seed and, like, I have never felt God calling me to something like I did in that moment. I couldn't stop thinking about it for days. Like, yeah. literally, every thought was like, what if I did that? What would mm-hmm. happen? Should I? I don't know. Um, so I like couldn't sleep at night, um, because I was thinking about it all the time. Um, but I didn't want to be like totally crazy. (laughs) So I did a lot of research. Um, I started by Googling things because, you know, that's how we research things in this, things in this day and age. So I Googled things like, how old do you have to be to be a foster parent? Which the answer to that is 21 in Illinois. Wow. Oh, I did not realize that it was so that you could do it at such a young age, but that's pretty amazing. Before you can rent a car, you can be a foster parent. Oh, yeah, because renting extra a car is like 25 <laughs> yes. or 26. Yes. Otherwise, you have to pay more money. Yes, yeah. yes. So I Googled, do you have to be married to be a foster parent? And the answer to that is definitely not. Um, actually, a very high number, a very high percentage of foster parents are single, hmm. which I thought was fascinating. <laughs> Um, I started looking at the financial numbers. What is the stipend like? What does it cover? Um, What about daycare? What about all the things that kids need? Yeah. So I started just reading all the blogs and books and following foster parents on Instagram and just researching all the things, reading everything I could. Um, And that was the summer. So I remember I had a hammock like one of those camping hammocks Mm -hmm. that I would take to parks around and I would just put it up and I would just, I always brought a book, but I never read that book. I always just laid in the hammock and looked at the sky and just prayed about what if I did this? Yeah. Um, Yeah. I started noticing that foster care was actually all around me. Um, I started... To notice that like... Like our coworkers and like there were a lot of people. Yeah, I know a lot of people. Already in your path. I mean, you were talking about a foster parent when Becca brought up you being a foster parent that you knew. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I started like noticing movies that I would go to. Kayla, I think you (gasps) and I went to a movie. Oh yeah, what was... uh, I don't know. It has your favorite actor in it. Yeah. I don't remember what it was. Shazam? Yeah, Shazam. Shazam. Yes, um, they're a foster is about family. a foster kid. Yeah. Um, wow. I started reading books like and all of a sudden like it would be about a foster family or a kid would go into foster care that like I had no idea. It wasn't in the description. 
But um, God just put all of those in my path. Um, So I, like Kayla said, we have some people who are foster parents who work at church with us. I know some foster parents from other seasons of my life. So I started reaching out to them and asking questions and being like, hey, I'm just kind of considering this, but um, how did that go for you? (laughs) What what do you wish you knew about it that you didn't, um, where should I start? Um, and so they gave me some advice. Um, but yeah, I was really scared, (laughs) but, um, it was all because of the space that I created months ago when God Mm -hmm. told me to slow down. Um, I don't think, I think if I had still been so busy, I would have literally laughed at that and never thought about and it again. Like, I don't have time. I can't do that. Yeah. Where? How would that fit? Yeah. So mm. because I had that space, I was like, oh, maybe, maybe I could. Mm. Um, yeah. I want to stop you for a minute because what you just said there, I think is really powerful. Creating space before God even calls you into something big. And I think a lot of the times when we start feeling like He's calling us to something big, then we start to create this space rather than having space so that He can come in and say, Okay, now I'm going to fill it with the things of me and my plans for you. And I love to your sister, I want to go back to um, when she said, she asked the question, the really powerful question, Why not now? And I think a lot of the times we need people in our life to call out things and say, Mm -hmm. why not now? And they're not saying it in a way that's like, um, that's like, why not now? Like they're forcing you to do something. Like condescending. Yeah, forcing you to do something or not making sure it's in God's will. But they're calling something out in you and saying, have you thought about this? Like, mm-hmm. why not now? And especially since you created that space, I just think that's such a powerful thing for listeners to take away yeah. is creating that space to where it's like, okay, God, I actually have space for you to come in and do what you want to do rather than filling it with everything that I want to do with my life. Yeah. And thinking about what you pointed out, like you were noticing coworkers and friends and mm-hmm. past relationships and books and movies. I remember walking out of that movie and you were like, I promise I didn't pick it just because it was about foster care. Like I I actually wanted to see this actor and like this story, like I had no idea. And some people would just write that off. They'd be like, oh, funny, the movie was about foster care. But like to put all of those little pieces together and see how they add up is crazy to just see like each and every little thing was so mm-hmm. orchestrated perfectly together. Yeah. That's so intentional yeah. for sure. So then I started bringing other people into it. I remember I thought a long time about what to say to my mom. Mm. (laughs) And like, I don't want to scare her. I don't want her to think I'm crazy. So I remember the words I said, and I asked her, mom, would you think I was totally crazy if I did that foster care thing? (laughs) (laughs) And I gradually worked up my courage um, to bringing some friends into it. Um, Kayla was one of those friends and a few other friends who I knew I could trust um, and they were all so encouraging and supportive and sometimes they pushed me um, to doing something that I was scared to do because I was really, really, really scared. Um, Being a parent is no joke. No. (laughs) I work with kids so I know it's hard and then the idea of being a single parent and not having 
a husband to help me with it scared me to death. And honestly, I felt so much spiritual warfare happening around me in those moments in that season. Um, And there were days when I felt physically sick to my stomach about anxiety with just like, what could go wrong? There's a lot that could go wrong. I've never doubted myself so much. Um, The enemy just threw all the lies at me. Um, I remember thinking like, what are you even thinking, Megan? You couldn't do that. Why do you even think you could do that? Mm. You're not strong enough for that. You're alone. Your family doesn't live here. Um, There were just so many lies, but luckily I recognized them as lies and so I could fight back. Mm -hmm. Um, And I listened to worship music. I looked up Bible verses. I like put Bible verses all around my house and my desk at work. Um, I said them out loud and I talked to friends about what I was feeling, which I think is the most important part for me. It was when I said those things out loud, um, I realized that they were ridiculous and they were just lies. And I wasn't alone. Maybe my family isn't here, but I'm not alone by any means. I have a whole church backing me up. Mm, Yeah. I actually just read earlier this week about, um, it was was with a study with Psalms, but just a reminder to speak the things you're feeling and thinking out loud. Like we think about how much hearing words or hearing a song or hearing something from someone else makes in our life. And we forget the power of speaking and hearing our own voice say things like Mm -hmm. that can make such an impact on us. Not to say the other things are important, but we leave it all in our head and we forget that like the power of it being spoken and being taken in through our ears as opposed to just like sitting in our thoughts I like that. really does make a big difference. Like it a huge so difference. But you just think like, well, I already know that. It's in my head. Like it's, mm-hmm. it is my thoughts. But like saying it does something totally different. Absolutely. It's not over yet. There's more story. It's not even all my favorite parts yet. There is so, a story of the story. I'm just like on the edge of my seat, even though I like lived through a lot of this with you. Yeah. So um, in my research, I learned that the first thing that I would have to do is move because at the time I lived in a tiny one bedroom house and in Illinois, in some states it is different, but in Illinois, even babies have to have their own bedroom. Um So I was like, well, I'm going to have to move, (laughs) which was really sad because I loved that house. Cutest little house. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to move. So accepting that was a big step of like, no, I think God is calling me. And like, this is a sacrifice that I'm going to have to make if I'm going to follow what God is calling me into. And I mean, the finances were a hurdle. Um, I didn't know if I could afford a bigger place without it being a financial burden. And I didn't want that to be, you can't bring a kid into a home that's not financially stable. Um, So I worried about that a lot for a long time. And then I remember feeling God whisper that I didn't need to worry that God would take care of it and it will be in just the right timing. I remember specifically that it would be in the right timing because I thought, well, then we're going to be waiting a while probably. So it's fine. I can work through all my fears. I probably have like months or years. I remember 
was it you told us like, if I haven't moved in a year, keep me accountable. If it's been a whole year, yeah, then I need to move. Like yeah. then I'm like, not doing my part. Yeah, I figured mm-hmm. like it would take probably a year to find something, but that's fine. I'll just take my time. And how long did it take? But it was like a couple of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was, was so like, cool. just kidding. Yeah. yeah. Cool. And like, I wasn't even looking. Um, was it like Facebook or yeah, something? It popped up on Facebook. Yeah. In oh. my Facebook newsfeed, someone shared this apartment that was just a few blocks away from my little house. And it was big and it looked promising. But I was also like, no, it's probably not going to work out. So I like messaged the guy and I went and looked at it and toured it. And I was like, actually, maybe this could work. But then I remember he told me like, we've already rented it out. And I was like, oh, okay. Well then, guess it's not this place. It's fine. I get to live in my little house a little while longer. Um, But then like a couple days later, he messaged me again and he was like, so that fell through. Are you still interested? And I like, was like, I'm going to think about this. And I went, took my hammock and I went and prayed about it. And I like, remember I was like fighting and I, I really didn't want to do it. I wasn't ready. I was scared. Um, but I remember God, like I felt God tell me, this is exactly what you wanted. Like it fits all of the requirement and it fits in your budget. It was actually cheaper than my little house. And God was like, what are you doing this is all the things you wanted and asked for. I answered your prayers. Why aren't you doing it? And so I was like, you're right. You know, God's always right. <laughs> um, Amen. <laughs> so I did it and I moved. Um, that was August of 2018. And so that was a long time ago. <laughs> um, but that was the thing that was the first like action step of making this real. Um, so once I did that and I moved, I didn't live in my little house anymore. So I was like, okay, we're doing this. Here we go. I'm not going to give up my house for nothing. Right. So um, I started telling more people. I like actually talked to agencies and started the licensing, licensing process. And that took a really long time. I feel like I need to put a disclaimer on this that like this story is not normal. It does not take most people 11 months to get licensed for foster care. Yeah. That's a long process. Yeah. But it was, it was just, also a little bit of your seasons too, right? Yeah. Like the time of year you moved and the next round of classes didn't work for you until like yeah, there were I emailed some like steps right there. Right after the nine, I think it's nine week class, right after it had started. And so I had to wait for the next round of them and like the holidays were in there and so, so we're it was like farther away yeah we're not having a class the next class doesn't start until February so it was months until I even right. could start and then weather I remember that happening yes, like you my had class classes got canceled because it was it got crazy. canceled I think like three weeks out of the and nine. for like Valentine's Day yeah. I remember you being like what the <laughs> heck you're like, I could still come to class I was like Thursday. I don't have Valentine's yeah. Day thing is you're like I'm trying to love kids yeah. Valentine's Day yeah. so getting in the way that was really hard actually because I remember in that season of like I was working on getting licensed but I wasn't there yet um, I heard stories of like kids in our area who had to sleep on the floor of the mm. agency because they didn't have a home. And I was like, I'm here. I'm not ready yet, but I'm here. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure they found places for them. But that was really hard. Um, and like, 
Also, it's important that they, you know, make sure they're safe homes. Right. I'm not saying that they shouldn't do it. But Just maybe not over 11 months. It was a long time. <laughs> a little too long. So, um, yeah, I also want to mention that, like, it wasn't hard. It just took a long time. Um, but it was not hard at all. I remember, like, when my f- social worker came over for my home visit, I thought, like, oh, she's going to be, like, going through all my drawers and, like, inspecting everything. And she didn't. That's not how it works. They have a list and they check things off, but they're not, like, looking for ways to keep you from being a foster parent. They want you to be a foster parent, too. Um So I think that's important that like there's a lot of misconceptions about what the process looks to. And it's not hard. It's just like filling out paperwork and doing a background check and all the basic things that they have to do to keep the kids safe. But um, my license was finally final on July 29th of 2019. So 11 months from when I started the actual process and like I started actually thinking about it in May, so like a long time. I don't know how many months that is. Yeah, yeah, that's incredible. I was looking back over your notes and looking at this story, and the scripture that came to mind was from Philippians, where it says like, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. And I'm like, I just feel like that's your story. Like from the conversation with Becca and that start of like, I think this is the right move. And he saw you through to the end, through apartments and tiny houses and classes that started late and Valentine's Day and hammocks <laughs> and like every single piece of it. He was just being faithful to complete all of that. Yeah, And it's true. not complete yet. It's I mm-hmm. also recognize that like this is just the beginning of yeah. this story. Um, I don't know how long it'll go. I don't know if it, you know, maybe I'll be a foster parent the rest of my life. Maybe I won't. Yeah. But um It's the beginning of the story there. So I waited a couple months until my first placement came. Um, A little girl, she was almost two when she came to me. We got to celebrate her second birthday while she was here. Um, And she is the bravest person I've ever met. And she handled a really, really hard thing um, that a two-year-old should never have to go through. Um, But she was so... So brave. Um, so we celebrated her birthday. We had um, a little bit of time. She was with me for about six weeks. And then um, she got to go back to her mom, who loves her a lot. And uh, she went back to a former foster mom who is planning on adopting her. So um, that's the goal. That's what we want. But it's still really hard. And I miss her a lot. But mm. um, I'm also ready for whenever they have another placement for me. So... I'm in that back in that season of waiting by my phone and just being ready. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Yeah, your first sweet girl was just the sweetest, and it's just so cool to see little pictures on the fridge. Yeah, we're just we're just so excited for what God's going to continue to do as you just stepped out in faith through your journey. And um, I just know he's going to give you so many more beautiful opportunities to love on kids who need to be loved in the future. Um, Well, 
This episode today is all about cultivating courage. And I actually looked up the actual definition of courage, and it means um, to be scared to do something, but to do it anyway. Mm. And I feel like that is exactly what you did. <laughs> yes, we should just make just, it your definition. Yep. <laughs> and we just feel like that's exactly what you've done in this journey um, to become a foster parent. So how would you say you've seen your courage or bravery grow during this process? Yeah, I mean, so much. <laughs> um, I was so scared, but like I took one step at a time. And like, I've heard this before, but I don't think I understood what it meant. But it just felt like I would take a step and God would put the next step in front of me. Um, and I just had to take it one step at a time of like, I need a new apartment and he provided it. And I needed you know, to send the email to the agency. And he gave me enough to do that. And just one step at a time. Um, yeah. And then once I had my first placement, then it was easy because it was for her. And it's so much easier to be brave, to love someone who you know them and you know their story. And of yeah. course, I would do anything for her. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel like over... While you were going through that, I was hearing that a lot and things I was listening to and reading of like just the next right thing, like what's right in front of you. You have the picture of the big goal in mind, like don't lose sight of the vision of being a foster parent and helping kids who need help. But you have to remember that you got to do it one step at a time and just doing the next right thing is, is all we can do. And then Frozen wrote a song about it. So there you go, <laughs> Frozen 2. Forgot about that. Yes. Yeah, so uh, we've talked a lot about doing hard things and being obedient. And I think one of the amazing things about God is as we do hard things and step out and be obedient and do the things that he asks us to do, we know more about ourselves, but we also know more about him. So what would you say that you have learned about God in this process? Yeah, I feel like a lot. <laughs> There's a lot I know about God that I have experienced and not just, it's not just head knowledge. It's not just the stories I read in the Bible, um, but I have seen it. Um, I was thinking, and just last weekend at church, um, we talked with the kids about David and Goliath. And we talked about how David had to be brave to do what God asked of him, which was to fight Goliath, um, that mm -hmm. he felt God calling him to do that. And um, he could be brave because God was with him. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, I felt God with me, like yeah. with me, like I wasn't alone, which was one of my biggest fears mm -hmm. because God was with me. Um, and that's why I could do it. Um, and then, People gave me exactly what I needed, um, which I saw God's provision just so much. Like even in the preparations, um, one of, another one of my really big worries was like all of the stuff that kids need. And <laughs> yeah, lots of, a lot of stuff. How yes. am I going to get all of that stuff? Yeah. And I remember that was one of the good things about it being such a long season was that I got to like go garage sailing and find the stuff that I could the Use. dragon humidifier. I have a dragon humidifier. The best yeah. garage sale purchase of all time. Yeah. Um, and then I remember specifically 
on the day that I got the call about my first placement, um, I reached out to my Facebook community and said, does anybody have a car seat? I still don't have a car seat. And within like three minutes, two people had offered me a car seat that they were like, oh yeah, my kid has grown out of it and it's just sitting in the corner, uh, but it's not expired yet and you can totally have it. And then like that, by that night, one of my friend's, husbands had installed it in my car. Like I didn't even have to install it. Like God was just like, no, 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 I'm going to give it to you and install it. Like, which, wow. And Elsa, if you ever installed a car seat, <laughs> yeah. especially the like younger they are, the more, it's not just like the little booster seat. You just sit on top and it's fine. Yeah, that's I had a, a hard time hard uninstalling yeah. it. Yes, it's Nobody like just keep it in the car. Yeah. Yeah. As, as it should <laughs> be, we got to keep yeah. them safe. I'm sure also, any of the moms out there are like, sure. yeah, yeah, I understand. Or babysitters. And yeah. yeah, lots of people. And so just, just when I was like so exhausted that I was like, I don't know how I'm going to keep doing that, people would bring me dinner. And just when I was like, I have got to find a way to go to small group. I don't know how I'm going to make that work with my schedule. Someone offered to babysit her every week so I could go to small group. And it was just like again and again, over and over and over, God provided what I needed. Mm -hmm. And guys, God is faithful. Our God is faithful. He has proven again and again and again that he's not going to abandon his people. In the Bible, I thought um, I thought of this story that he saved the baby Moses in a basket mm-hmm. that floated down the river that he should have died, but he saved him so that Moses could grow up, so that Moses could lead God's people out of slavery. That's not a small thing. He parted the Red Sea so the same people could get away from their captors. He fed them bread that came from the sky yeah. when they had nothing to eat. He sent his son to die on a cross. Like nothing is too big for God. Mm-hmm. My little problems of I don't have a car seat is nothing to God. So that was provision was a really big thing. And then I just trust his timing um, that he knows the right time. Um, He knows when things are going to happen. You know, my license took 11 months, but that was just the right amount of time because there was a little girl who was going to need my house and she didn't need it yet. Mm -hmm. Amazing. So good. Yeah, Megan, I love that your story just totally shows how God is the provider. And when he's called us to do something, he provides the people, the resources, the car seats, <laughs> and the strength to do the big things that he's called us to do. And that's just written all over your stories. So thank you for that truth. Um, I just think it's really an inspiration to so many. And there may be even be people listening today um, who you may have been hearing whispers from the Lord um, during this episode even maybe um, to potentially begin praying about becoming a foster parent or just even supporting or praying for the foster care system. Um, What advice, Megan, would you give to someone who is thinking about becoming a foster parent or maybe even supporting someone who's just recently stepped into the role of being a foster parent? So the first thing I want to say is that you should tell someone. Um, you know, think about who you're going to tell and be careful. But that talking about it was the biggest thing 
that took me from speculating about what would happen if I did that to actually making those steps of faith. Um, And I think that applies to any brave thing that God is calling you to do, not just foster care, but whatever God is calling to you, talk about it with your trusted people. Um, And then within foster care, I would say do a lot of research. You heard it, I did a lot of research. Um, Make sure you know what you're getting into. Um, Foster care is no joke. Um, So do your research. And then I think it's really important to support reunification with Mm -hmm. their biological family that like foster care is not, it's not adoption. It is, sometimes it looks like adoption, but um, I think you have to be totally willing to give kids back because like my little girl has a mom who loves her a lot and was waiting for the day that she would get to go home. Um, And so my job was not to fight for her to be adopted by me. Um, It was to give her back. Um, I also think it's really important to recognize your limits and stick to them. Um, So that means that for me, there's a really big need to take multiple kids, um, sibling sets who we don't want to split them up, and that's a really big need. But I can't do that. There's only one of me, and I don't have the space. I don't have the resources. I don't have the time or the strength <laughs> to handle more than one kid. So um, that's one of my my boundaries. And then um, I also don't take teenagers, even though that's really hard for me because there's a huge need for that too, and there's so many older kids who need a home, but I'm not the right person to provide that. So recognizing that um, it's okay to have limits and it's okay to say no, um, I think is really important too. And then supporting foster parents is so important. Um, I for sure couldn't do any of this without my support system. So um, if you know a foster parent, I would recommend putting yourself in their shoes of their day-to-day life and think about what do they need and then specifically offer it. Don't just be general and be like, if you need anything, let me know. Ask them, hey, can I bring you dinner on Tuesday? Or um, what size diapers does she need? Can I bring them to you? Um, For me, I wanted to list um, the things that people have done to help me. Um, which are babysitting was huge. Um, People brought me meals and provided company, which as a single foster parent, sometimes it was the like grown-up conversation and someone who could talk to me in full sentences. (laughs) So not talking in a baby voice. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So sometimes that was the bigger need. Like I could make macaroni and cheese, but she couldn't talk to me like that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So they gave me stuff like clothes, um, shoes, toys, a car seat, a crib, and then gift cards are, there's always stuff that you need um, that is just a huge blessing. Um, And then like even the little things, when I got my call that same day, I told my small group and there were a couple girls who came over and helped me like just go through her room and organize it. And that was huge. And then there was a phase when my little girl refused to sit in her car seat And it was a couple weeks and it was really hard. And I would like dread going to pick her up from daycare because 
I knew there was going to be a fight. I remember being like, I wish I could be in the car with you every time so you didn't have to do that. That was... And there were several times when people helped me. One time Kayla came with me to daycare. I was like, I'll just ride with you. We'll get my car after. It's fine. Like So that she could help put her in the car seat. And one time... One time it was so bad, I had to go back up to a friend's door after we left and be like, I need help. Like, I was not going to get her in. And it took the two of us to get her to sit in her car seat. So sometimes your best way of helping a foster parent is like literally helping put them in their car seat. (laughs) Yeah, I remember that. And then... um, If you don't know a foster parent personally, you're like, but I don't know anyone who is, um, and you still want to help, there are a lot of other ways. Um, There are some really good nonprofits. Um, I specifically wanted to mention the Forgotten Initiative is a really good um, organization that is active in our area. You can also just call a foster agency. Just Google it and call them and say, what can I do? I've heard of people giving like their visit room a makeover. Um, and just all kinds of stuff you can do. Um, There's also, you can become a CASA worker, which is a volunteer role, but they're involved in the actual court process, and they advocate for the kids and what is best for them. Um, So just Google it. How do I help foster parents? And there are a million things you can do. So good. So good. Megan, that is such a powerful story, and... I can't thank you enough for sharing it with us today. And even though I've heard it and I've lived some of it with you, it is just so encouraging to sit down in one setting and hear mostly beginning to end for where you're at right now of just all the ways that God has met you, provided for you through having your all the way through your first placement and little girl who was with you at the end of last year. And I don't know if anyone has told you lately But thank you for, I'm going to cry. Thank you for being a foster parent and for doing that work. And for, I just think of that little girl and just getting to spend time with you too. And she was just the happiest thing. And what a blessing I'm sure it was for that mom to know she was with someone safe Mm -hmm. who cared about her, who wanted her to get back to her family. Like that's a huge sacrifice for her, a huge sacrifice for you. That's hard work and you mm. did that. And so thank you for doing that. It's a big deal. Thank you. Yeah. So I don't know how to recover from that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I also am very aware that this is God's story and he is like from beginning to end, from creation to when Jesus comes back, um, this is God's story and I'm just a little part of it. We all have a little part to play. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing your part of God's story with us today. We were so glad to have you on. All the anticipation from back over a year yes, ago, we we're like, we can't wait. And Megan. we're celebrating about a year of yeah. like the first. It was February of, of last the, year when you. Yeah, I thought about okay, that the other I day. I still remember. You texted me like, I need to talk to you about something. And me being like, like, what is this? What is going on? When it was just a weird season, crazy season then too. But but, yeah, so we're celebrating a lot of things today and we're glad to sit here and celebrate with you and just all that God's done. So thank you for being on. Thank you listeners for joining us and just tuning into the story of 
courage and bravery and obedience and faithfulness. And we just pray that it would encourage you as you listen. And we will catch you here next time on the Cultivate Podcast.